Hawkeye Self Storage in Danville has electricity hookups, 14-foot tall doors, and 60-foot drive lanes, private bays, interior and exterior lighting with 24-7 access gated entry. They also feature indoor RV and boat storage with three locations, 1303 East County Road 200 South in Danville, 7410 West U.S. 36 in Danville, and 2238 West U.S. Highway 36 in Danville. More information can be found by calling their phone number at 31 31- 745-2700 or by going to their website hawkeyestorageunits.com This is Levi Riggs and you're listening to Allen on WYRZ This is Sights and Sounds with Alan Kiger Allen is a Hendricks County native that talks with your favorite entertainers This is where Allen hangs out with music royalty Sights and Sounds is sponsored by Hawkeye Storage in Danville. And now your host, Alan Kiger. This is Sights and Sounds. I'm your host, Alan Kiger, and my guest today is Allinger Jr. I thought since this is the month of May, I should get one of the great legends of the Indy 500. So how are you today, Al? I'm doing great, Alan. Thanks for having us on. We're excited to have you here. Thank We're you. really excited. Thank you. What's the month of May mean to you? Let's just start there before we dig into some questions. What does the month of May mean? Um, it's really difficult to put into words. Um, you know, today it means dreams come true, okay? And they do. And so uh, I dreamed as a, as a kid watching Dad and Uncle Bobby, you know, uh, run and win the Indy 500 and that's something that that I wanted to do when I was so young and and so I dreamed about you know first coming there and then qualifying and then racing and then winning and so uh, you know once we did that it took me a long time to win it but uh, you know thank God he allowed me to uh, to do it and so you know it just it means dreams come true to me today. Does it still have the same feeling when you drive underneath the tunnel and you come up as it did the first day? It it doesn't matter what time of year. You know, the month of May is special because there's cars out there running and and the 500's right around the corner. But any time during the year, you go up under that tunnel and great things. Well, let's go way back to, I'm going to say, the beginning of your career as a, as a professional. We're going to skip the, the go-karts as a kid. Okay. But let's go back to the beginning when you started racing. Um, I believe you were racing sprint cars. Is that Would that be your first, what you'd say, professional-type racing? It was my first professional racing. I was 16 years old. Yep, yep. Talk a little bit about that. What did you like about it? Did you feel that it was going to get you where you wanted down the road? The, sp- the sprint car was so much fun. And, and I was so young and taking it so serious that, that I didn't realize actually how much fun they actually are. And, and so, uh, you know, the sprint car really, it, it, it taught me how to be aggressive without running into anything. Okay, you know, we don't, uh, it's, it's a non-contact sport and <laughs> yes, sprint it cars are, it's supposed to be, <laughs> let's put it that way. And so, um, taught me how to, how to really uh, read the tracks, you know, because they're forever changing as the, as the, the night goes on and, and as the race, even the race goes on, you know, your, your dirt tracks are changing all through the race. And so, um, you know, taught me how to uh, drive a car with the throttle you know, and so um, it was just sheer fun, and, and, and I truly enjoyed it. And I, I felt blessed and, and fortunate to be able to, uh, to do it. 
did you run just mainly in the New Mexico area, or did you run all Pretty over? Pretty much, the- yeah. We'd, we, uh, as far back east as we went was Granite City. Okay. And, uh, and so, you know, my final year, my third year in the sprint car, we were kind of like a true outlaw. Okay, so so we would go and run a World of Outlaw event, and they would just kick my butt like there's no tomorrow. And so then we would go to some local shows in Oklahoma and, and Denver, Colorado, and, and Phoenix, and we'd do some local shows, and, and that would get our confidence back up. And then we'd go run another World of Outlaw event, and they'd kick my butt again. <laughs> and so... Um, but yeah, we, we, we primarily stayed in in the Southwest, Phoenix. You know, I, I ran Ascot a few times in, in California. So did you run Manzanita back in the day? Oh yeah. Okay. Oh yeah, that was. I had the opportunity to go Phoenix, there once, yeah. so it's yeah. pretty neat. Yeah. When did you make the jump from there to the next step? Was the next step going up Pikes Peak? Was the next step Can Am? How did that work? Actually, the next step was Super V's. Okay. And um, and really how all that came about was um, in 1981, in the, in the spring of 81, I was, I was driving for Gary Stanton out of Phoenix, Arizona. Um, and so um, we started struggling. I started having a hard time with the sprint car. And, and, and just right at that right time, uh, Rick Gallus out of Albuquerque started a Super V team. He started a, a Super V team, and, and so he called me up and said, would you like to drive for me? And I said, yes, I would, <laughs> you know, because because really Stanton and I weren't, uh, weren't we won one race, and that was El Centro at the very beginning of 1981, but, uh, but we couldn't really do anything after that that, that was successful. And, and so um, I was un- under contract with, with Stanton, and uh, and Rick Gallis called me, and I went to Gary. I go, can I be released? He said, yes, you can. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and so, um, and then uh, Rick Gallis, I started uh, really just driving for him from that point forward. We did the Super V's in 81. We did the Can-Am in 82. And then it was Rick Gallis who brought me to Indianapolis in 83. And I drove for him in 83 and 84. So it was really... It, it was, you know, I look at it today as, as a total God thing. It, you know, the, the timing of it was just perfect and, and, and all of that. So really without Rick Gallus, I don't know if a car owner would have hired me or picked me up or anything like that. So, so it was him. Um, uh, he's been friends of the family for, for a very long time prior to that. And so... Um, he wanted to start a race car team, and that's and that's pretty you much. You must the have shown a lot of history. promise back then in those days. Oh yeah, Super we, we to, did good to talk yeah. him into keep. You know, yeah. Hey, well, he to... wanted he himself wanted to go to Indianapolis. Okay, and so um, you know, he just he truly did it the right way. He he didn't he wasn't a, a, an owner that just jumped into Indy cars and go I'm going to be competitive and stuff like that. So you know, talking with Dad and Uncle Bobby. You know, they told him, okay, start a team and work your way into the 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 IndyCar series. And and so that's exactly what Rick did. Okay. Well let's talk about before we, we go through your IndyCar career, I'm gonna I'm gonna run through a, a few of the highlights here that I've got written down and correct me if I'm wrong, 
on any of these. So you make the career change to IndyCar. You got 329 starts in IndyCar. You won 34 races. You got seven poles. That's not a good average. <laughs> I'm still, it's, 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 a, this, it's this racing is a losing business, yes, and, he, and you got to get used to losing in order to to win. So, but yeah. that's still seven wins. Yeah, that's that's yeah, a lot. A good, or seven yeah, poles, yeah, excuse yeah. me, seven poles with thirty four races. Yeah. Uh, you won two championships, one in nineteen ninety and one in nineteen ninety four, mm-hmm. and then you won the Indy five hundred in ninety two and ninety four. With the Indy five hundreds. You're an elite group just winning one at the Indy 500s. But to win two brings you even down to a very, very narrow margin of people that have ever mm-hmm. succeeded that. I know you said you wanted to make it to Indy. You know, you wanted to go through the gate. You know, and the whole, you wanted to practice. You wanted to qualify. You wanted to race. You wanted to win. Out of those two, is the first one the best feeling or the one you – you carry the most pride in, or is it the second one knowing that you backed up the first one? And I know that might be a tough yeah, question. Uh, okay, uh, honest to God, um, you know, the any time you win and, and are successful at the Indy 500, it's a great day, no matter what, okay? And so which one means more? Each That's kind of like... Which is which? One of my four kids is my favorite kid. Okay, okay? It's, you just can't answer that question. You know, each one of them. Um, you know, I love to death. And so, with the first win, it was uh, it was kind of like a, a load of bricks off of my back. You know, because I I had personally put a lot of pressure on myself to win the 500 that's all i wanted to do in 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 life and and so um you know then um it's it's the closest finish so you know like that final lap you know i i grew up with with the driver listening he hears every every bolt and 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 (laughs) runs over every crack in the road feels everything you know and and with me on that final lap I was just concentrating on Scott Goodyear and staying in front of him. Okay, so so I didn't hear anything, but but just I had my head down and I was just driving for all I was worth. And and so um, in '94, okay, uh, when I won it again, we finished under yellow, and that last lap took for ever to get around there and and i felt every little bolt every little crack of the road i was worried the engine was gonna stall on me and just quit running and and just so many thoughts went through my mind because it took forever to get around that last lap and so um you know with uh, with the 92 win there we we had our own chassis with the gallimer chassis rick gallus own the car, you know, um, it, w- it was a dream for both of us to, to accomplish, and, and it, was a, it was a great thing. In 94, you know, we had the 209 engine, uh, that yeah. development project, and we had our own car, the Penske car, and so, you know, each one was in its own realm, just, just like my children. They're, each one is special, and so... Uh, yeah, that's how, how it is. It it's kind of like asking a singer which song they like the best, but you know, could be. you get you get you got to win them both. So that's just. Yeah. How do you rate your championships versus wins? I mean, were, would it have been more important to you to won 
50 more races versus the championships? No, the Indy 500 is all. Okay. You know, it, it outruns all the championships. It outruns all the other races, you know. Um, I heard A.J. Foyt say one day that uh, that the people know A.J. Foyt because of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway and the Indy 500. People know me because of the Indy 500 and my family, my Uncle Bobby, my dad. They don't know us because of the championships or – or how many Long Beach wins I have and stuff like yeah. that. There's the, it's it's all about the Indy 500, and so that's simply put, it is it used to be the one and only. Pretty dominant out there at, uh, yeah, at Long, Long Beach. Yeah, Long Beach was fun. We had fun at Long Beach. <laughs> I'll go through a few more of the uh, accolades that I that I read up on you. Uh, you got a Can Am championship. Mm-hmm. You got two IROC championships. Mm-hmm. Uh, you were the ABC. Wide World of Sports Athlete of the Year. And, and listeners, for the younger people, that was where you had to get all of all of your sports addiction, either Saturday or Sunday, and you had about an hour and a half. So you, <laughs> you might have seen Allinger Jr. racing for 15 minutes and the Harlem Globetrotters for another 15 minutes. Right. And they'd go back and forth. So that's a pretty – you're in the Indianapolis Motor Speedway Hall of Fame inductee. Mm-hmm. You're also in the uh, – is it the American Motorsports yep, Hall of Fame? Yep, American How important are those to you? I mean, those um, are big accolades. Yeah, the, it's it's great. I mean, uh, you know, we were we were so fortunate to be as successful as we were in uh, in racing, and then and then like the the ABC Wide World of Sports Athlete of the Year. Um, it was it was a true blessing that they saw racing as. Um, as athletes, as, as drivers, as athletes. And so um, that, was, that was a great thing that they acknowledged it. It's pretty exciting. Because most, pe- most people think we just get in the car and um, go in you circles, gotta, you, you gotta know. Be fit and I can't even <laughs> and imagine you do. In the, in the, the uh, G-forces pulling against your yeah. neck, going into yeah. those corners. I don't, I don't think a lot of people understand. You, you have understand. to truly be physically fit, yeah. Um, let's kind of switch gears here a little bit and – I know most most drivers, everybody's into their their charities and things mm-hmm. they've done over the course of their career. Mm-hmm. Over the course of your career, was there a charity that you like to work with? Something that you maybe still are a part of that you've that you've carried on throughout? Yeah, there was there was a time in my life that that I had Alan Jr.'s Children's Charitable Foundation, and so I helped Ronald McDonald houses. I I, I kind of. I didn't go just one thing, you know, we, we, we helped with, uh, uh, the Miami project with spinal cord research. We, we did a lot of different things, um, during my career and, and mainly just to help children. Yeah. What, what was your, you mean, was there any special story that you've got from that or anything? That no, you not really, to do not to really. Day, you or? know, there was no, we, we, uh, I, I haven't done the, the, the children's foundation went away. You know, okay. and and so, no, um, you know, today my 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 life is so different than it was when I was driving race cars. So, well, let's go ahead before we jump into the next question. Tell us about your life today, since it's different from um, driving race cars. <laughs> yeah, um, well, today I'm a I'm a driver coach with uh, an F4 team, uh, Future Stars of America, our Future Star Racing, 
and um, and then with uh, with Sarah Fisher has a has an F four car, and and so we uh, we help coach the kids in in driving in in those race cars. We got uh, one of one of our drivers is Chloe Chambers. She's sixteen year old. Uh, a girl that just does a fantastic job and then uh and then sarah's driver is a is, is a young man his name is elliot cox and uh and he does a great job too he's only 13 years old right now and so um but yeah we uh i last couple of years i've gotten into the into coaching the the racing kids in in the the scca formula four and uh and fr series so so yeah and i've truly enjoyed it how much attention do the kids pay to you when you're talking to them? You just said sixteen and thirteen. They I'd listen. Try. They they okay. listen. You know, um, um, you know, it's 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 really exciting when uh, when they go out and try something that I have suggested to them, and they come back in and they go, "Al, I tried it. It worked. It worked." <laughs> and and so that total feeling right there is a is a is a win win. I mean, I just I get the same feelings as if I had just won a race. And so to, to see the kids light up and all that kind of stuff is, is really cool. Okay. As a driving coach, do you feel that you're making a difference in their future by them paying attention? Like what you just said, like it's going to, I'm hoping so. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm, what, what I'm trying to do is pass on what my father and my uncle taught me. And it just doesn't have to be uh, in racing, but, but, you know, how do you prepare to go racing and stuff like that? So, so it's, a, it's, a, it's all mindset that uh, you have to be dis- disciplined. You have to uh, work hard. It's forever changing because of the competition. And so uh, you have to stay on top of the game. We mentioned Pikes Peak. Mm-hmm. How, how big of a a part of your career was that and how exciting was I've driven up to the top of it yeah and we we kind of drove stupid on the way up (laughs) but we did you know we didn't do anything like what you did and I can't imagine the thrill because there's if you go off you go off yeah there's I mean coming coming back home um it was fun for me to do it was more of a of a kind of a family thing okay because that's really the answers were discovered at Pikes Peak back in the day in the in the 60s that it was a, a USAC point race. So the owners that raced at, at, at Indianapolis, they came to Pikes Peak and raced there. And Uncle Bobby and Dad were, were just so dominant up there, especially Uncle Bobby. And so um, really that's where the answers were discovered. And so um, Pikes Peak taught a lot of disciplines. It... Uh, uh, it was it, it was dirt when when I raced it when my my uncle and my dad raced it today it's asphalt it's a whole different whole different road today but uh, but when I when we drove it and it was dirt simply put dad dad called it that it's the slickest road course you ever race on and what I mean by that is because the dirt is is just uncontrollable the car's sliding the whole time going up it. The other thing is, is that you get one shot at every corner on race day. So you go, you start at the starting line and then you end at the top of the mountain. Okay. And there's 166 corners in that 12 miles that, uh, that you run. Wow. And so, 
Um, on race day, if a cloud comes over, you're done. You know, you you you're you got to finish the run, and so you only get one shot at the whole road going up it on race day, and and so it teaches you how to how to be aggressive, but then also how to stay in control of the whole thing. The 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 track is super slippery because it was dirt, and so um, you know. It, it, it really, when I went up there and I won, it was 1983, and I set an overall record and all that kind of stuff, but it's extremely dangerous, okay? And so I kind of followed Mario's advice. Mario Andretti gave me advice about Pikes Peak. That's one of those places that you go, you win, and you never go back. <laughs> and so I followed Mario's advice totally, you know, because really we, we were already racing Indy cars. I didn't need to run Pikes Peak other than, you know, uphold the family name and stuff like that at Pikes Peak. And so we did it, and, uh, and then we never went back, yeah. How thrilling was it to, to race IROC and to win the two championships there? I mean, you're racing not just against IndyCar people. You're racing against NASCAR people. And right. I think at one time they even had a few drag racers in there, and Steve yeah. Kinzer was in there from the sprint cars. Mm-hmm. What's that like to compete against several different – and you weren't a stock car person. Yeah, it was I, – I approached the IROC series in the aspect that, that the more different race cars that I could drive, the more experience I would get – the better race car driver I would be at the Indy 500. And that's how I looked at it. So, so when I went down there and I, I, I raced, you know, all the, the, the NASCAR boys, you know, and, and so on with, with Waltrip, Darrell Waltrip, Earnhardt, uh, Mark Martin, you know, all the old guys, Kel Yarborough, you know. And, uh, and so it was, it was something that, uh, that I just looked at, you know, to adapt to them, the draft was huge, and I had to learn how to draft down at, at Daytona. And so um, it was just something that, that, that I really felt if I could be successful there, that would, that would help me be successful at the Indy 500. And so that's how I looked at it. Same way with 24 Hours of Daytona. I won that a couple times. And so that was all about you know, endurance racing, taking care of the car, that sort of thing, and, and knowing when to, when, to, uh, when to risk certain things and when not to because it's a 24-hour race. And so um, running those races um, made me a better driver at the Indy 500, and that's, that's how I looked at it. The, just the more disciplines that I could get into and adapt to it and learn how to adapt to it, then when the track would change at Indy during the 500, I would be able to adapt to it quicker. And so that's how we the, the mindset was. Did you call a lot of stuff back, hey, the car's loose, hey, do this, do that, or was that usually on the crew chief when you were in the car? I mean, I know the crew chief does all the work, but some, some people aren't very good at communicating that to Right, the, right. Were you I, was for, I was fortunate, yeah, because, uh, you know, I had the experience of my dad and Uncle Bobby. And so there was the old guard at Indy for a reason, okay, with, with Johnny Rutherford, Gordon Johncock, Mario, A.J. Foyt, Dad, Uncle Bobby, you know, they, they, um, they were there and the old guard because they had experience and they knew how to make their cars handle. So when I came into it, the computer wasn't in the race car yet. And so 
I was able to to call out what the car is doing and what I felt was wrong with it. You know, it, is it is it the front end or is it the back end? You know, and and so I would direct the 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 chief mechanic engineer which end to work on that I felt was was best. Okay, now once the computer hit into the car, then and that's the way really it is today is is they don't ask the driver is it pushing is it loose you know that they they just they they get out their computer they plug into the car and and uh, and they read what's going on and then they they have an idea what the car's doing and then the driver really just confirms what the car's doing and so because of the instrumentation that they have on that car they can see if it's the front or the rear so the engineer knows exactly where to go. So really the driver is in there and, and his job is to go out there and race it, take it to its limit, and don't run into anything. That's his main job today. And so uh, the one that I feel does that the best is Scott Dixon. I was going to. <laughs> I was add, that was one of my questions. Yeah. I, I think he's yeah. just amazing. He is. He is. Just and, amazing. And, and with the reliability of the cars today, you know, he, I I feel that's a large part of his six championships is two things. He goes out there and he races the whole race and he doesn't run into anything. And he doesn't let anybody run into him either. Okay, so so it takes that sixth sense that we were kind of talking about yeah. with the sprint car earlier. Scott has that. And then just the sheer reliability of the cars today, you know, with the paddle shifts and the brakes and, and just the engines. You know, when, when I was running in Indy cars, our engines, the life of the engine was 550 miles. And that was it. And they get rebuilt. Okay, today's engines they go 2500 miles before they get rebuilt so you know that 500 mile that they're just getting broke in <laughs> kind of thing Big so difference. so huge you know huge and so well i want to ask you a question this is going to be a hypothetical question i i watched a, a podcast or youtube video and it was a view at your uh was actually it looked like it was at sarah fisher's go-kart place but it was your pastor mm -hmm. at your church mm -hmm. um and you were kind of giving your testimony, and you were talking about how in the early days, you know, you would pray, but you kind of left God in the car, mm -hmm. and then you would get out, and, you know, he stayed in the car. Right. And you got That's out right. and, you know, told him to stay in the car, and you went out and did your <laughs> thing, like, like a lot of us have most of our sure, life. Sure, Again, hypothetical. But you had a great, great, great career. Um, something most IndyCar drivers, most any kind of drivers would dream of. Looking back, do you think if you would have had got out of the car with you during your career, do you think you would have had a better career? I know people thank God when they when they win and when they lose, mm -hmm, but do you feel like mm -hmm. it would have maybe brought your, not not just your racing life, but your personal life relationships with sponsors and car owners that maybe other opportunities could have come along. You know, it's, it's, you know, hindsight's always 2020 and, and, you know, um, do I have regrets? Yeah, I have regrets. You know, I, I, I wished a lot of things that I'd, I did in, in my life that I 
would change and do differently. Most of it, I wouldn't change a thing because that's the way that God meant it to be and so on. And so, you know, God knew that I would be sitting here with you today long, long time ago discussing this very thing. And so, and so, um, you know, the journey that I've been on is, has, um, it's, it's been up and down and all that kind of stuff and, and around (laughs) and, um, and yeah, I guess the best way to answer it is my life today, having Jesus Christ in my life every single day makes me um, live in the light, okay? Where back when, when I didn't have Jesus in my life, I was in the dark. And today I live in the light and I just, I just, I can see Jesus working all around me all day long and so on. And so um, I prefer this, living in the light, yeah. than I do, than well, I did well, in the dark. Now that you've seen the light, and, and I watched that, and you gave a really good testimony, and you, you gave some scripture verses. Um, being a Christian myself, and thinking back, I mean, you, you never had a serious injury. A, lo- a lot of people have laid their life down there at the Indianapolis right. Motor Speedway That's and other, right. other racetracks, or you know, right. they walk with horrible limps. After you've read the Bible now, do you see the... The angels that were out oh, there absolutely. guarding the car. Oh, I mean, can yeah. you just imagine? Yeah, that's why. That's that's why I was saying. There's there's you know, there's things in my personal life that 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 I wished I would have done better. But as far as the racing, the the racing, I was so fortunate and so blessed and and so lucky to have God controlling everything. You know that. Um, uh, you know, I mean. Anytime you do good at Indy, it's 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 a God thing, you know. God's eyes are on every driver at Indy, and Indy. And there's another Mario Andretti quote: "Indy can make you or break you, because God's eyes are on you." And so, that's that's simply put, that's what it is. Well, I want to I want to thank you for being my guest. Um, before we end this, what what's your uh routine for the month of may now that you're they're done driving i mean i'm sure you're going to go in there you're going to go underneath the tunnel you're going to get the big goosebumps and yeah 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 um well my prayer is that uh this covid thing gets behind us it's really restricted a lot of us me going to indycar races period um this month of may um they're they're it's my dad's 50th uh, anniversary from from his second win. It was his fiftieth anniversary last year for his first win, and but it was COVID. It was all on lockdown, so so he never came back to to uh, the race because there was no fans, there was no ceremonies, there was no there was no way that uh, that the Indianapolis Motor Speedway could honor him. And so uh, this year he's coming back. For the for for race weekend, they're going to be able to do some things that uh, that's going to honor his 50 years of of being a champion, and and so we'll be there to support my father and in, in, in all of that. So. Well, we're excited to see that. Well, Al, I want to thank you very much for being my guest. Uh, it really enjoyed this. The only people that get to be on, whether it's racers or musicians, I got to be a fan. 
If I'm not a fan, you know, I'm not going to spend my well, 10, 20 you. hours thank doing my you. research. <laughs> you know, plus, you know, you usually usually know what you kind of have an idea what you want to ask. But then sure. I start doing the research to I want to ask a few different questions. And we really appreciate you being our guest. You You're a legend here in Indiana. And I thought no better person to bring on for the right. month of May than Allen's Jr. Thank, Thank you, you so very much. much. You bet. Thank you. You've been listening to Sights and Sounds with Alan Kiger, sponsored by Hawkeye Storage in Danville. Join us the first and third Sunday of every month at 11 a.m. on WYRZ. And don't forget, if you miss a broadcast, you can hear the podcast at sightsandsoundspromotions.com, where Alan hangs out with music royalty. Hawkeye Self Storage in Danville has electricity hookups, 14-foot tall doors, and 60-foot drive lanes, private bays, interior and exterior lighting with 24-7 access gated entry. They also feature indoor RV and boat storage with three locations, 1303 East County Road 200 South in Danville, 7410 West US 36 in Danville, and 2238 West US Highway 36 in Danville. More information can be found by calling their phone number at 316 316- 7-745-2700 or by going to their website hawkeyestorageunits.com